somebody's looking to get into Unreal versus Unity, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But for, what were some of the positives that you've dealt with in Unreal when building the game? Like, what would Unreal offer to somebody such as yourself in this indie development stage? All right, welcome to another episode of the Nebulous Entertainment Podcast. Today is probably the most special episode of the ones we've done so far because we have Connor Smith on the line as well. So Eric, Eric's usually here, so that's nothing special. Con decided that he wanted to show up today because we're going to talk the release of Stormward Sales. So Con, thanks for uh, being on your own podcast. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. Uh, glad I could make the time. Yeah, yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? So with this episode today, we're going to be talking about the release of Stormward Sales because after two years of development, it finally came out last week um, and it's available on iOS and Android for free right now. So we're going to dive into some questions, kind of go back and forth. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep it probably pretty short because in terms of the length for what this episode could be, it's endless you know there's been so many um so many issues that we've just come across through developing the game and i'm sure connor and eric can talk to most of all but coming down the stretch here since the game was finished in october getting approved by apple had been the biggest headache um you know i guess the final headache right con was that the final headache that needed to be done was just the approval from apple uh pretty much yeah it's just um you know some of the documentation out there is is not the greatest. Um, if not, it's a couple years old, and you know things change as time progresses. Um, and not only that, like some of the biggest struggles I had even before we got to the App Store was just building it on a Mac. Um, for those who don't know, I have a, a really bare bones like 2019 Mac Pro. Uh, not much in terms of hardware specs, like eight gigs of RAM. Uh, you know. Unreal yells at me all the time every time I try to package it um, that there's just not enough memory to really perform the packaging. So it takes roughly anywhere from uh, an hour to four hours to actually package a single build for us. Um, so that, you know, trying to set time aside on a, on a weeknight for that or even a weekend um, with everything else that's going on definitely, you know, caused some issues in terms of just, you know, getting the build up to Apple. Um, you know, that also slowed down that process. Um, you know, we also ran into some issues when it comes to, you know, the Unreal Engine compiling. Uh, the, the version that we were on uh, had a bug with sending shipping builds. It was sending development builds to Apple. So we got denied for those reasons. And uh, also ran into multiple crashes with the version we were on and upgrading the version and making sure all the code and blueprints and assets were all correct and uh you know just validating all that was you know time consuming the holidays coming up um and it's a shared macbook too so it really doesn't help out when it comes to uh you know getting that build out i was just gonna say so in terms of the documentation real quick to go backwards you yeah. had created a ton of documentation right you closed in on almost 300 confluence pages which is very impressive for making sure that you had everything documented in case we were to do the process over again. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I pretty much have everything written up. Um, you know, I, I did for those who, you know, don't know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on, on another podcast, but, uh, you know, I've reached out to Apple support and actually, you know, talked to them about 
are in-app purchases and why they're they were, they were in review for like two weeks. So, you know, Calder support um, supports fantastic. Wait time was like a minute uh, on the phone. Um, you know, while I had the person on the phone while they were checking on, um, you know, our actual app store application, I was asking some basic questions and uh, that's some pages I still need to write up and would love to share that out with, uh, you know, the world, because I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that, you know, have questions or need answers to some of these questions where uh, those questions I had, obviously, now that they're answered, I couldn't find them anywhere on the web um, unless I wasn't, you know, querying correctly in Google. Um, you know, just no one really could answer those questions. I, f- I feel like, you know, a lot of people get up to the point where they package the project, but they don't really submit it um, to Apple themselves or individuals that do do that aren't including in-app purchases, achievements and stuff like that. Um, or they're not making YouTube videos or, or articles out there for everyone to read. Right. Right. Yeah. So the unreal documentation was not good, but the Apple support was good. And I'm sure that there are people listening to this, like you that have gone through Apple support. It's just been a shit show. <laughs> so yeah, but, the Apple support aspect was good when you physically talk to an individual. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. In terms Usually of like their documentation now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Usually support's good when you can get through to somebody. Um, and it's usually after you've been on hold for quite some time. So a minute's pretty impressive. But so other than lacking documentation and the review process when it came to Apple, how was it for Google? Like, were there any big issues on that front? I know that they accepted the game a lot quicker than Apple did. Yeah, Google just um, I think they accepted it with like some of our achievements, not properly working so in terms of their process i'm I'm not sure how it works for like what they actually look for um you know we've been testing on google far far longer than apple so there's definitely some you know you get warnings when you upload the package uh, for internal testing and the same thing for production um so a lot of those i ironed out you know months and months ago um you before even submitted everything to production so when it came to actually deploying to production you know we were pretty much in a the best state that I thought that we could be. Uh, the only thing that I would think that we would be denied for was either we filled out some applications wrong on the Google Play console. We didn't include something. Um, you know, maybe something within app purchases wasn't, you know, sitting correctly, um, or even achievements alone. But aside from that, I mean, they I think they accepted within two days after submission, roughly, which was was pretty quick. Uh, you know, times I feel like have been actually faster for both of them. Um, you know, when we first uploaded, and this could be just a first time thing when they had to like vet the application, you know, I think Google took like two weeks, three weeks, maybe, and Apple took over a month and a half just for the first time, which we didn't hear back from them until like toward the end of November, um, that the app was denied, that we were uploading a developer build. Um, and that was just a bug with the version of unreal that we were using. And I had to change up how we were packaging the application. Um, for strong more sales. Right, right. So, um, okay, so other than that, so, you know, Google seemed to be a little bit quicker than Apple, but we finally got it done after yes. the submission in October until now. So it is out there for free. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, things things are going well for right now. We, we've had, what, over 100 downloads? Or got to be coming in close to 100 downloads for for being our first game. I think that that's pretty good. Yeah, I think with no background in this industry, um, 
you know, when it comes to programming knowledge, you know, I, I never had that before starting this project. Um, you know, when it came to building applications, working with a game engine, um, you know, kind of starting a project outside of, you know, an actual paying job with a, you know, team of individuals who are, are just as driven as you and self-motivated, um, you know, it's definitely, definitely a task and a challenge um, for the team for sure. And I, I think that, you know, after looking back, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the project's out, you know, I think it's, it's just, it's still, I think it was a good starting project. Um, you know, we could have definitely cut some things back and we did, we definitely cut a lot back from the initial plans. Um, but, you know, right. I, I just, I can't believe it's only been a week. It feels like a month already since the we initial plan it. for that game was ridiculous. I mean, we had stages, we had a lot of ideas going forward for how we wanted to, you know, make it a lot better. I mean, it's pretty good right now, uh, you know, for it, for it being our first game. I mean, it is actually like quite fantastic since there's been no prior experience in doing any of this other than Eric drawing um, con, you knowing like some code, you know, other than that, like everybody really had to get it all together and learn and teach themselves how to do it, especially with what would be classified as or categorized as piss poor documentation. You know, there, there was a lot of roads, um, <laughs> a lot of uh, roadblocks that needed to obviously be uh, surpassed. So that said, Eric, let's get into the art side a little bit. In terms of the biggest difficulties and the hurdles that you faced, was it along the lines of like VFX? Was it along the lines of meshes? Um, run Because the game was 3D, right? So you had to build everything 3D. Run us by a little bit of what were the biggest difficulties that you came across? Sure. So starting out, uh, definitely like the entry into 3D and the 3D space was really new for me in the whole process. So, you know, I, I can look back at some of the models I built for the first biome or the first area and then stuff that I built for the final area and something that took me you know, three hours to model first time around would take me like 15 minutes later. So there was like this learning curve. And then, you know, from there, it was the process of going from the modeling software, doing all the steps that you had to do to get it into the engine was, I mean, there was, there was definitely tutorials and stuff on YouTube and like, you know, we watched blender guru like right. <laughs> daily <laughs> to learn all this stuff um but yeah that was that would probably be i would say like the that was definitely the first challenge and then once we were in unreal i had a lot of trouble finding like solid references for tutorial like materials or vfx as we talked about just finding like or maybe, and it, it could have been the way I was searching things. As Connor said, I could have been searching for the wrong things because I didn't know what to search for at the time. So when I made the water for our game, I remember I found a tutorial on YouTube and it was entirely in Russian. And I literally just had to like maximize my screen, turn up the settings as high as I could and just like watch what the dude was doing and replicate and then try to figure out what it was doing because it was just all you know the material workflow is a lot of math 
which is very different than I'm used to, like the way that layers work in Photoshop and in 2D art. It's like, you know, the Canon trails and the boat trail. We landed on the boat trail just one night kind of accidentally. We were trying to do something for cannonballs and it Jeremy was like, hey, what if you like put that on the boat and made it bigger? And it worked. So it was just sort of like a uh, throw stuff at the wall and see what stuck kind of thing for a lot of the visual effects. And um, but yeah, it was it was a fun process, but it was stressful right. a lot of the time, not knowing what to do and not knowing what to look up, because that that's something you know, a lot of, there was so many tutorials for unity and I tried to see if I could kind of like mirror what was happening in unity over to unreal, but they sadly just, you know, they don't work the same. They're not the same engines. So a lot of, uh, a lot of headaches, right? Struggle finding. Yeah. Just struggle finding like useful things that I could learn from. Cause if I could learn from something then I could apply it, you know, and take it further, but getting that base knowledge yeah, is right. the, the biggest trick. Yeah, I just have a, two things to add to that. Um, I felt like bad more about like, just like trying to find material. I feel like YouTube plateaus pretty quickly. Um, there's definitely a lot of the, Hey, this is the same thing. The basics, the create, uh, at least for me, like the controllers, a new script, you know, maybe for you, Eric, it's like, how do you do a simple material or something yeah, like definitely. that? Definitely. Here's how you give a material and, a color. Yeah, and then it doesn't expand outside of that. Or it, they, they walk you through it, and then they don't show you the end result, and it ends up not working once you that, get to the very actually, end of the video. Actually, that's a really good point that I've... Yeah. There was so many times where I would be going to do something in the material editor or visual effects editor, and it was like an old feature that was, you know, slowly removed from the engine over time. So, like, it w- like just wasn't there. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the other issue too that I had was just like, you know, there's all these, these books out there on these game engines and like, you know, I'm going to point out one in particular, packed publishing. And it's just, you know, everything is just like a big, basically a bulleted list, you know, follow these extract uh, exact uh, instructions and you'll get the end result. Um, and it just like, it wasn't helpful. Like you weren't really learning anything from it. It was just, you follow the steps, you know, rinse and repeat, and you should get the same outcome as them. And when it came to like, you know, looking up some of the other books that they have out there on, Hey, we built this for game or like mobile development. They don't get into the actual difficult process. Mm -hmm. Like it's so simple to find something like this is how you package, right? You literally click two buttons to get at least something out there. Sure. There's, there's some setting changes you can make for performance um, and tying stuff in, but no no one goes over that. Right. You know, I mean, that's where I, we had to really dig into Unreal's documentation for that. And, you know, I guess pray that it, it, it works for the version that they written it for, they wrote it for, um, or somebody, you know, made a YouTube video at the time to ha- to help everyone right. out. Um, but yeah, it's just like you know these these book companies, and they're all about learning and and everything. And it's just when it comes down to the most challenging part, at least in my opinion, throughout this whole process, was definitely getting it uploaded and set up for the both app stores. Um, none of Is that it, information is really there. But is it or, because they try to provide? 
basic default information. Because to your point, like a lot of Unreal's documentation is outdated, right? Because there's been updates, there's been new releases and stuff like that. So like these places that publish these books, is it because they publish it from like, like do A, B and C step, right? Because it will apply to multiple updates. That way it's not like when Unreal and Epic, when they would release a new update, that doesn't mean they would be out of date. Is that what they do? Yeah. Uh, sorry, you repeat that one time. Yeah. So from like a from a publishing perspective, they basically give you the steps, right? A, B, and C, what you should look for in Unreal. Yeah. But they keep it that way because if they went more into the nitty gritty detail of things, as soon as Unreal would release an update or a patch or something else that changes the steps, their book becomes irrelevant. Right. So they try to give you the basic default so that it stays relevant for multiple updates to the engine so that they can keep making money. Right. Yeah. I mean, I th- go ahead. I think that when it came to like um, that part, Cam, um, you know, they, Unreal's documentation there really hasn't updated. Like, you know, you can, you can be kind of vague and say, hey, grab the latest, you know, SDK for, you know, Apple and Google or whatever. Um, but here's an example on just how to get it to the, like, I, 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 like, I understand like purchasing a book, you're going to get outdated information. Like, I mean, you just look at when it was published and you get a rough idea. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I just wish somebody would take that second step. And I think the, the biggest problem is, is that these two large companies, meaning Epic, Apple and Google, they don't care. Right. Epic takes you as far as, okay, Hey, this is how, you know, you package for Google, you get their NDK is what they have. Um, and then after that, you got to follow Google's documentation. Well, Google really doesn't t- talk too much about Unreal. It's how you submit, you know, applications to their play console um, from their side of things. So th- there's right. that miscommunication, there, that that missing bridge that kind of zigzags all around, you know, until you, f- you know, find that perfect connection uh, in order to get your app properly uploaded and working um you know for the play store itself and same thing so, apple doesn't care in general so right so that so this is why you started documenting right you became exactly, the bridge yeah. you became the bridge between these platforms because to your point they're third parties right they don't care about like google doesn't care what epic's doing epic doesn't care what google's doing so on and so forth they have their own stuff to worry about um, so this is why you both started creating these documentations of which to everybody listening and, you know, the people that will eventually find the podcast once it's released, these will be out on the website. Um, they'll be coming in spurts for people to be able to follow in forms of blogs and posts for you to read. So I think that that's a good idea that you guys have taken this step to build these bridges so that people can find the missing links to the information that they so desperately need and can probably save them a bunch of time, headache and anger. Because I'm sure it's frustrating when you can get this far in a build, but not figure out the final steps that need to be accomplished. So. Yeah. And uh, Eric, did you have anything else to add to that? Honestly, like for me, like I think just if I were to speculate on why that sort of thing happens in my realm, the creative realm with things, I think everything is so like per case, you know, every single game is different. So, you know, like what, you know, what I might be doing for storm sales 
might only really affect you know 0.1% of unreal users so i think other especially like i i think uh the stuff that you're dealing with is much on a higher level you know like google and apple and epic whereas i'm looking specifically for individual creators that have done something similar and it's hard it was hard for me to find that kind of thing where it was like you know i'm looking for this specific way i want this particle to behave and like right it just wasn't there so i think that's where the disconnect came from for me so Mm -hmm. you know on a different level just you can tell somebody the basics like hey this is how you set up a particle system but to go over each individual thing and create unique tutorials for you know very specific things it's just it's time consuming it's time consuming and to to filter through everything to find it would be just needle in a haystack like yeah so so we've talked about some of the negatives as a face but in terms of the positives for unreal if somebody's looking to get into unreal versus unity and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later but for what were some of the positives that you've dealt with in unreal when building the game like what would unreal offer to somebody such as yourself in this indie development stage you want to field it first con sure um for me at the time, um, when we started this project, it was force control and Unreal natively integrated with Perforce. And that was a really big selling point for me at the time because Unity, I think, had some third-party plugin. Um, they now fully integrate, uh, but at the time they had some third-party plugin and it was kind of like, you know, hit or miss. And it, it, it was just too risky for kind of what we were doing and the team size that we had planned or planned to grow at the time and you know people have come and gone stuff like that um and you know when it comes to like source control integration i mean both are good now but you know that, that was a big selling point for me and unreal um in all honesty at this point in the game it's just like unreal so like it's common knowledge to me now like i'm used to it i know where everything is pretty much in terms of how to package things um you know how to build basic character movement or, you know, some complicated, you know, shooting mechanics with mathematics and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's hard for me to recommend for a new person coming on though. I, I would have to say that based off of everything that I've learned and honestly, I probably wouldn't recommend it to someone who number one, if you're an indie dev, you're by yourself, you have no funding or you have a small team. Um, I, I don't recommend Unreal Engine, to be honest. Um, it, it's just it's difficult for me to do that. You know, the positives for me aren't like for really new users. They're just I'm familiar with the application at this point. Um, and, you know, there, there's a reason why we're switching to Unity. And I think that, you know, we can cover that in a later podcast or briefly discuss that toward the end of this episode. Right. So in terms of team size, so if we don't recommend it to smaller indie devs, what would you think in terms of team size for somebody that it would probably be best to use it? Do you think like I a think if you, studio? Yeah, funding. If you have like really good funding from the third party, um, you know, maybe your native language is in C and you're familiar with that, you have a strong back end in that. Um 
you know, sure. The visual scripting aspect is nice. You know, I'm personally not a fan of it. I, I, I really don't like it at all. Um, I just find it like things can get really confusing fast in terms of if you don't keep it organized, you can not understand if you come back after a week or so, uh, you don't comment correctly or, you know, group things correctly. You, you might not understand what's happening. I, I just find it more difficult to read than code. Um, yeah, I just think if if you have a good f- funding and and you know you're going to take the time, kind of like we did to to document to learn the application, like you really got to take the time to really learn the engine and understand, you know, kind of what it is you can and can't do, um, and be prepared for you know older documentation, not that um, descriptive documentation. You know, things are definitely going to be vague on Unreal's end of things. Um, and when it comes to YouTube videos and and reading articles online. Um, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of the stuff is is older um, than, you know, than what I would like it to be. Um, you know, there's definitely a bunch of Stack Overflow posts out there that I would love to go back and probably will take some time on answering people's questions that, you know, that came up in my search results and they had the same question I did, um, but there was no answer for it. Um, so I don't know if there's really a right answer, Cam, in terms of a team size. I think that it's just... At the end of the day, if you're if you're willing to, you, you have a background in, in C plus plus maybe, or, um, you know, you really want to challenge yourself, um, and you have the time to do it. I, I think that Unreal is your choice. There's definitely a ton of potential there, um, and you're doing <laughs> definitely not a mobile application. So I would say some 3D game for uh, PC or Xbox or. I guess any console platform for for that being so. Right, right. So Eric, along the lines, like what would you say in terms of what were some of the positives for you as a developer in the engine? Um, definitely, like I think a lot of the things that I saw as positives with Unreal were like me looking down the road at if we were to stick with that engine, like getting something to be visually impressive like the Mm -hmm. built-in just the built-in like rendering pipeline for unreal i really liked we kept everything simple because we our target platform wasn't you know high-end pcs and consoles we were just building for mobile so like i went with low poly gone um objects with simple textures like i think i kept all the textures 2k or below a lot were just like 512 by 512 so I basically, I was, I think an analogy I would use is that I had a, uh, a spaceship to like go to the end of my driveway. Like it has so much potential that I think teams, I would say like with what Con's talking about, I feel like if a team would have experience with game development, if they are versed in like he said, uh, the language for visual teams, if you're more familiar with higher visual fidelity workflows, I feel like it would be an absolute like no brainer to go for, you know, all the high end stuff that it can do. We just weren't using it for that. And that was something that, you know, we kind of learned as we got into the game. Uh, especially because a lot of the um, 
documentation and stuff that I was using was uh, like pretty straightforward. Like the lucky thing for me with Unreal is because I was doing such simple stuff, a lot of the documentation for that simple stuff was there. It was when anything started to get more difficult for me, it was like you couldn't find anything. So I feel like Mm -hmm. if I were to have the knowledge of just like development in general and like material workflows and all that kind of stuff, I think that it would be an easy engine to just dig into and, you know, do a lot of stuff. It has such strong cinematic tools. We didn't even really get to scrape the surface on and there's a lot it can do. And uh, visually it's stunning, but we just didn't use it. So I I think it, it has a lot of horsepower. So it's just a matter of if you need that horsepower. So like, you know, if you're, if it were a team that was, a little larger and they were trying to do something with a little more ambition and scope and size visually, I think it could be used well. Right. Well, that's the thing too, right? It's like you could have a Rolls Royce engine, but if you don't have the car to go around the engine, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. right. And that's, doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I was building Legos on top of a Rolls Royce engine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was keeping it really that simple. That puppy's going to fly, man. <laughs> that puppy's going to fly. Yeah, okay. So if that's the Unreal side of things, let's dive into Unity a little bit. So you've had some first impressions on Unity since you've both kind of been in it. Con, I don't know how much on the back end you've been in, um, but in terms of the creative side, Eric, I know that you've been in it a decent amount. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, Eric, if we start off with you, what have you seen being the biggest difference in terms of alleviating that stress from moving from unreal to unity so far the community support and the documentation uh it might have been just that i was more geared to reading and learning the documentation before actually doing anything whereas with stormward sales going to the documentation was like okay i hit a roadblock i need to find a way around it But because we're looking at switching, I've been able to say, okay, these were the kind of things that I needed to know in Unreal. So if I can kind of learn them ahead of time and go into our next project with a bit more knowledge, it might go smoother. And alongside that, like I said, is the community. It's insane. There's so much out there. Like you've got like, um, I think Thomas Brush uses Unity. I use this guy named TarotDev a lot. Brackies is a huge one. Blackthorn Prod. There's all these like big YouTubers that have really in-depth tutorials. And the one thing I've learned from just listening to a lot of them was instead of trying to like learn everything, set yourself a problem, see if you can solve it first then go and like, you know, figure it out with documentation or tutorials or whatever. Um, which I mean, I did with, uh, uh, unity, but, or unreal, but like I have said multiple times, once I hit that roadblock, it was a lot harder to get over it than it seems to be with unity so far with the tests I've done. I mean, I haven't, haven't gone like, absolutely bonkers with it but i've experimented with just 
you know, importing assets, getting them set up in a scene, messing with camera stacking and render modes and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it seems more straightforward. Right. So, uh, I mean, I've kind of shared some snips of like some test stuff that I've done with you guys and it's, it flows really well. And, uh, I've learned for sure that the visual style that we want to maybe take in the next project is going to be different than complete 3d. Right. So that that's kind of another thing that was just a learning experience from Stormward sales. Like if we were to go back and do Stormward sales again, right now with the knowledge I have, it would be easier, but starting out with a full 3d game was very, very difficult just to like, keep up with what everybody else was doing. I think Unreal was kind of a blessing in disguise in that sense, because here, here's the thing is to go from all this headache that you, you guys experienced with Unreal to Unity and see a, you know, a drastic rise in morale and just the ease of ability to actually do stuff now that took way too long in Unreal to figure out, you know, if we would have started with Unity and maybe came across headaches and having to learn all this stuff. They're like right now, you know, we could be potentially moving to Unreal if it was if the rule was reversed, not really knowing what lie ahead on the Unreal side until it puts that final nail in the coffin. So, you know, while Unreal gave a ton of headaches to you guys developing this game, it honestly could be very good for the company as a whole. Um, to see that side of things versus what you're seeing now, because now you have it something to compare to, right? So like Unreal, it was the benchmark of engines, right? Now you're in Unity, you're seeing a lot of you know different changes, a lot of positive changes, a lot of better attitude, a lot of more documentation, a greater community, so on and so forth that you didn't necessarily see and or feel and get in Unreal. Right. So I think that it is a blessing in disguise that even though it was a, a headache and a shit show to some extent to develop what you guys did in Unreal for first time users as a learning experience, right? Because it was the first time for mm-hmm. everything that it's going to make it, it's going to bring a greater appreciation to what you guys feel and do in Unity. And I think that it'll be easier to Eric, to what you just said. You said that you know, you're basically doing stuff now that you had learned to do in Unreal, but it's taking you a lot less time to figure it out um, because you have that knowledge. Right. But I still think that the community and the documentation being stronger with Unity, it would have taken less time to build Stormwind Sales in Unity to begin with. But you know, there is that whole unreal side of things being that blessing in disguise. So Con, from your standpoint, like how would you answer that same question um, in terms of, you know, moving to unity? Like what has it been for you so far? How much have you done on the back end? Um, not much right now, since I've been making sure that the game's running right currently in unreal and doing some bug fixing on the back end. Um, but of course, the first thing I looked at was just the, I don't honestly just, you know, deploying to Apple and Google or other third party, uh, I guess, consoles or PC and stuff like that, like the build process um, and try to get an understanding of, like, of that. And, um, you know, the Unity documentation, fantastic. I, I just, I can't say anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just every single revision, mostly they, 
you know, either update the revision to say, yeah, somebody's vetted this, they tested it, it works with this revision. That's all I care, right? Like that you know that you can look at your Unity version and then you can look at their documentation and be like, okay, stars line, perfect. I know that this is more than likely going to work. If it's not working, it's probably a bug that they're already aware of. Um, and that that's one of the biggest things for me. Uh, the other thing is just like, you know, hey, it's C sharp for for talking a, a programming side of things. Uh, you don't have to do any memory management there um, and stuff like that. And I use C sharp for my job today, obviously in a way different scenario or environment than what Unity is. Like it's still learning basically from scratch in Unity uh, because, you know, you're using key components and stuff that pertain to the engine. Um, and for me, it's it's just it's the documentation, uh, the the community outside of Unity itself, um, you know, the memory management stuff for programming. Um, the other thing is the lack of blueprints. Um, ran into some crazy problems in Unreal with blueprints and code not syncing. That was a common problem that we had. So looking forward to not seeing that. Hopefully, um, moving over over to Unity, and um, you know, it just really excited to kind of see you know what the team can do with this engine i know that eric and i started here um in all honesty i don't remember much on how to do thing (laughs) it's been such a long time uh so yeah we really are starting from scratch again um but i'm just excited for you know the community that's already out there and and interacting with those individuals and you know having us write our own documentation and, and helping others that are you know, are on the same path that we are um, in terms of, you know, obviously for us this time, it's not starting our first game. It's the second one. And, um, you know, of course we're taking a lot from unreal uh, into this new project and and what we have learned and, and everything like that. And, uh, you know, really excited for, for the path forward for sure. Yeah. So Colin, I will pose this question to you. Do you think because there are different tiers in Unity in terms of pricing, right? You have the bottom, the bottom tier is free, but it does get into some, you know, you, users having to pay for pricing. Do you think that that plays heavily in the relationship when it comes to actually having to keep the documentation up to date? Because if we think about Unreal, Unreal's free. So they put out documentation. They don't care about updating it because you're not paying for the service. However, on the Unity side of things, to build that community, to to have users pay once you get to a certain level um, to basically become a premium member, they have to keep up to date with their documentation. Like to me, it makes total sense, right? Because if you're paying for a service, you expect up-to-date information. But with Unreal, there doesn't need to necessarily be up-to-date information because of it being for free. So I think that if we look at it from, uh, well, I'll let you answer first. Um, and I then I'll get into that real quick yeah, why, why I think that another reason, because I actually never thought of it that way, because I always forget about Unity's pro tiers because, you know, <laughs> I never think we're going to hit 100,000 or whatever it is. Um, and now that they added dark mode to free, you know, who really cares? Um, but that's a good point. That's one thing I never thought of. Um, one of the reasons I think their documentation is up to date is number one, Unity's uh community driven engine i would say more than unreal is um i i can't remember the numbers but i mean it's a significant number of you know first game devs or 
teams in general, like game developers, use Unity. I mean, it's I think it's the most popular engine out there, right? Pretty sure I would it is. Imagine. Like it, it's insane. So the number of people that are, I mean, Unity knows that you know the people that are using your engine are probably mostly brand new. You know, they're not that tech savvy, and um, or they're they're really small teams and they don't have time to document. Like when it comes to Unreal Engine, the reason why I think there's lack of documentation because the people that are using it are huge teams, corporations, you know, AAA, AA studios where they have their internal documentation just like we do far more superior and they don't share that out at all right that's they've got their, their workflow yep. down and that's theirs yep they, they that figure extent, something out that's they, that's competitive right we're getting the, the competition here right. they don't want to share that information exactly. out at all and on that same note unreal is not just used by game developers yep uh it's used in like film television architectural like it's a more wide use tool so mm-hmm. I, I think that sort of plays into what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. more big firms are using that and it's, you know, they don't, why would they share what they do? Exactly. Like, yeah, they're not getting any benefit from it. So exactly. they're not going to, that's a great point in the competition at that point and, and trade secrets, right? Like right. they, they don't want to share that out where unity, it's kind of like, Hey, we're all, we're all here together. You know, we're all learning together. We're trying to figure this shit out. Uh, let's help well, each other think, along and yeah, no, I agree. I think thing, that you're, you're, yeah. you both are right. I mean, we, we all work corporate jobs. We know what the internal documentation looks like that they don't want yeah. to share it to people. And we all work in different industries. So I know that we can relate firsthand. The best thing unity can do is continue to grow the community. We live in an age now where community means everything to a brand. So unity is going to continue to see the success in rising success for people that continue to want to be a part of this community. And, you know, when it comes to word of mouth, they're going to like we're doing right now, we're talking about how great unity has been so far for us, opposed to what unreal was in the beginning for you guys. Right. So like we're doing this podcast right now, talking about it. And there's no way that we're the only ones discussing this. And to Eric's point that he made earlier, a ton of big name YouTubers that a lot of people follow use Unity versus Unreal to this extent. Right. And it's because Unreal is just it's ridiculous when it comes to trying to help out solo artists, freelancers or anybody to the extent of being a small independent developer. Otherwise, you have the huge corporations that we discussed, but then it becomes that, yeah, you're going to compete with me. I'm not going to give you, you know, that 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 uh, that extra hand. Right. I'm not going to throw you a lifeline of a documentation because that could you know, be a conflict of interest if you then are able to compete with us. It's that the corp- the corporate world is a selfish game. It is such a selfish game. Right. But if you can continue to build a community like Unity has been doing for you know, single smaller groups of people that want to help each other, learn from each other, support each other, then that's the step that Unity needs to take, right? And even if they have this pro, this premium membership, a lot of people will use it and they'll stay loyal to the brand because they know just from either their experience or what they've learned that if they try to switch to Unreal, even if it's free and a powerhouse, it's just going to be a nightmare for them. So I think that Unity should definitely continue down this track of building the community. So where do you guys see in terms of do you see Unity being able to catch up in terms of being that powerhouse that Unreal has with, you know, with just the engine in general and the pixels outside of community? We're talking outside of community like in terms the, of performance. Power? Yeah. 
yeah, the overall power and performance, do you see Unity being able to eventually catch Unreal or do you see it as it needing to be separate and continue to just do its own thing like it's been doing and gradually advance? Go ahead, Con. Um, nah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> dude, you, you're talking about Epic Games, man. Like, their their cash flow is everyone wants to right. be right. Their cash flow is insane. You know, you have huge corporations backing them. Uh, Tencent being one of them. Like, I can't remember the market share that they own. And even Sony dumping it. I think mm-hmm. what three percent or one percent, whatever it is, but still millions of dollars, anyways. Um. And you got you know Microsoft using them for a lot of their first party games as well. It's just like it's just never I don't think Unity is gonna no. I think Unity is more, you know, niche indie scene, like double A. I mean, yeah, there are some great triple A games too. I think that use them. Like I can't think of any off the side of my head, but yeah, like, used like mobile, right? Like, yeah, big mobile games use Unity. Um, but in terms of graph graphical fidelity, I just think that Unreal is just I mean, their latest thing with the Matrix demo, I, oh. I don't even know. So crazy. <laughs> where, so crazy. you know, what Unity's answer to that is. And I don't know if they really need to have one, to be honest. Because I, I think what they're doing now is already fantastic. And in all honesty, the numbers show, right, in terms of usage, right? So, right. So and, along yeah. those lines... Oh, no, Eric, I'm going to switch topics a little bit so you can answer. I was just uh, sort of the thing that I... I want to say, and we kind of hit on this in the last podcast, Cam, talking about how indies are, there's a real big surge in the popularity of indie games. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not saying they're going to take over AAA, but it's really awesome that there's such a variety of stuff coming out from the indie scene. Um, And it has been for, there has been for a while, but a lot of them, seem to leverage unity and yeah, it and is I, like i know hollow knight did hollow knight's a huge game mm-hmm. massively popular game so i think kind of i kind of chimed in was con when con was talking like it's sort of a niche thing it's powerful like it can do powerful stuff but unreal is just it is on a level all its own and right. i think it's going to stay there so for people listening to this and people that see it, there is a market there for you to go into Unreal as a small developer and create some noise and create documentation, create a YouTube channel that showcases a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't. There is a bigger market for you to become more popular and well-known in that sense than you know if you did it for Unity because Unity's community is so strong. However, proceed with caution because there's also that ability that you fail before you really even start gaining traction. And it's because it is so difficult. Like it does not favor people such as yourself. Right. So, you know, just take, take that as, as caution. Cause some people might be thinking right now, well, then I get it. Maybe unreal is difficult. However, because there's not a lot of people there and it, it, you know, it is difficult. Um, it might be some, like it might give me a competitive advantage to grow my channel, to grow my game, you know, to grow myself as a person. Yeah, that could be a way to look at it. However, because it is what it is in terms of the difficulty and just everything not necessarily being up to date, it could be a lot harder for you to actually get uh, consistent uh, content out there to make a name for yourself. So I would say proceed with caution. But Con, I want to go back to 
the money side of things because money drives people in both directions. If we look at the pockets that Epic has versus what uh, you know Unity has, Epic does a lot of Unreal grants, right? They give a lot of money even because they can. I don't know along the lines of if Unity does that and to what extent that they do it, but they, I know that they don't pump it out as much as uh, Epic does for Unreal. So do you see that being a driver or people wanting to use Unreal first, even though they might not have a shot in the world to get that grant. But do you see it as it being a reason to pull some people over to the Unreal side versus the Unity side? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think that if you, if you have a great idea and, and you, you know, you're, you're, you understand the game development process, you're, you're good at it. And, you know, you're really self-driven, motivated, and I, I think that's definitely a selling point. I think the other selling point, too, is the, you know, they don't take any profits until you reach a million dollars. And it's a free engine with, you know, all these performance and, and profiling tools where um, with Unity, I believe you have to upgrade to one of the other versions to to get that. Um, but, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, looking from the outside in, you know that that's that that was a big seller for us too. I mean, we were like, right. "Hey, maybe maybe we can achieve this." I mean, we were aware of it. Like, it's probably not possible for our first game. Let's try, try to complete a project, right? Let mm-hmm. you know, let, as a team, let's say that we can do this. We can we get a project done. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and now that we have one under our belt, and we reevaluated some things, right? Um, if we decided to stick with Epic, then maybe the next game could have been or could be you know, something that we submitted for that grant. I mean, it doesn't hurt to do it. And I think that if people already have some, you know, a few projects under the belt and they want to go for it, I think it's a great opportunity for them. Right. I was going to say that the Unreal grant was one of the things that we took a look at when yep. we were first starting out mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, that m- money drives people, right? It drives people towards certain directions. And if there's a chance, Ooh, you know, it's, it's like people that play the lottery. Think about how many people play the lottery knowing in the back of their minds they are probably not going to win, but there's a little bit of hope there. That's how people look at game development in terms of getting a grant. Yeah. I can apply for this grant for free and see if I can drive home, you know, to get some money for the development of the game. Yeah. And you know, pe- that's people do it. And what do I blame them? Hell no, I don't blame them. If there's money on the line and you have a good project and a good game and you want to see if you can get that grant, go for it. You know, you, you don't lose anything by applying to uh, be a part of the grant. But to Eric's point that he made earlier, it's not just video games that get the grants. There's you know, architectural firms. There's just in, you know a bunch of other industries um, that come in for these grants because Unreal Engine is very versatile. You can use it for a bunch of mm-hmm. different things. So you need to be aware of the audience that you're going up against. So as a small company like we are, you know, would we have a big shot of winning it? Probably, I would say probably not. If we're being realistic, does that mean that it's a zero percent chance? No. I, I would say that there's still a percent chance that we could um, being the first game, but you're going up against a lot of other different powerhouses and a lot of other different industries because, you know, while they do give out a lot of money, it's not that they split a million dollars to a million different companies. Right. So, you know, some people take a big portion of the pot. Some people take a smaller portion of the pot. That's just how it works. Um, so, you know, if you're going to proceed with that, I would take a look at maybe learning a little, little bit more about what it takes to apply for the Unreal grants 
and how you can get your foot in the door a little bit easier. Um, but other than that, to what Connor, Eric, and myself, what we've been saying is that Unity is probably going to be a lot more friendlier for you in the, in the smaller uh, development scale to actually start with than Unreal would be. So, uh, Eric, did you have anything to say in terms of the, the spending for Unreal or Unity? Uh, not particularly. You know, that could be a, a side conversation. And I think that would be actually a topic for a good conversation is the Epic Games storefront. Um, it's not overly populous with indie games. Right. So that could be, you know, your sort of foot in the door and try and say, hey, we could be an indie dev that you've got uh, that you can showcase on your storefront or whatever. So, again, that's, I think, a conversation for a different day. but. Yeah, yeah. I, you I, be- I think that just you, when you are when you're going for those grants, you are going up against heavy hitters. So right, some small companies win, but oh, it, sure. it's a little bit hard. But you know, along those lines to what you're saying, if you become an Epic Game exclusive, yeah, you'll you'll be compensated for it. It is hard to do, but you will be taken care of in that sense because. To backtrack a little bit to what Khan was saying is a million dollars in revenue before they start taking a percent in terms of Epic. Mm-hmm. However, you know, number one, to get to a million in revenue, just that doesn't happen overnight. Does it happen with your first game? Ninety nine point nine percent of the chance it doesn't. You know, it, it just doesn't. If we're going to be realistic, you should focus on putting something out there, being proud of it and then learning from it like uh, Connor and Eric were able to do here with with Stormer Sales. So Epic had a lot to say about this was i believe like last summer they had a lot to say about favoring like smaller companies indie devs you know not taking a revenue share because we you know this backtracks to the whole epic versus apple battle which i'm sure is still going on right i don't know what the latest update is but they were talking about how you know this whole revenue share so on and so forth for smaller companies trying to be a voice for the smaller companies whatever the case is However, I will say this, while that is probably a very good PR move on their side of things, they don't necessarily know 100% of what the community wants. The community, as smaller companies, they want updated procedures and documentation on actually how to navigate the the platform and the engine. So while revenue is is great, while you get to keep 100% of your, your revenue up to a million, you're you're not going to get there if you can't even get a game out there, right? So if they if they truly, I would say, I would tell Epic and, and I would tell them that if they truly cared about seeing and helping these smaller companies grow, to to take a look at the feedback, take a look at these forums and all the questions that are being posed to Epic in terms of how to actually navigate the the freaking uh, engine, right? Because it, it always comes back to documentation. Does not matter does not matter how much money you've made if you can't even get the game out there from Unreal Engine. So I don't know, Con, Eric, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Them being a company for smaller companies, they say it, but do they necessarily act on it? What would you say? Con, we can start with you. Um, I don't know, man. It's just a... It's, you got a bunch of people or companies with trillions of dollars at this point throwing it around mm-hmm. uh, 
I, I would say at the end of the day, they just they don't care, right? They just they don't care because we don't bring that. What, what what do we bring Epic, right? Like as as a small dev, like what do we give them? Nothing, right? We use their products. We don't give back. You know, we use it for free. You know, they're right. hoping for those big triple A's to, you know, and then for them to take a cut of that. And like I understand, like I I got I get that, and um. Yeah, I would definitely like bigger documentation or better documentation and everything. Um, I mean, that's just from us. I don't know what other teams want out there. I mean, the, the obviously the profits from the app app store is helpful um, for sure. If you include in app purchases or you know uh, have a fee for the player application itself, um, but I think at the end of the day, man, they just you know these big companies they don't care. Really My don't. point, though, right, is when they were talking about revenue share and you know being that voice for smaller companies, saying that Apple takes too much, so on and so forth. However, they don't like Epic themselves don't give the necessary tools when it comes to helping the smaller companies on their own side. So yeah. while they might fight for them on a revenue share side, let's talk about the yeah. actual processes. They don't necessarily fight for the smaller people when it comes to the processes on their own platform. Well, so why little... should they? Good, Eric. Uh, just a little asterisk to that. It wasn't the only that they were fighting for the little people. It was because of what they did with Fortnite. And, um, right. But there, so, it was a PR stunt. Like they were using. Exactly. Right. It was, yeah. they're saying, Hey, we're here for the little people, but really they were, I think their main goal for going into this whole giant suit was basically the Fortnite they thing. They didn't pay a fee, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't, yeah, that's just, right. yeah, they, exactly. They had the, uh, the luck of being able to say, hey, we're the people's champion and we're doing this exactly. so that all developers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to, like, I'm not going to take away from that, obviously, but, you know, that, I don't know if, I would say that that was their sole motivation because I, I think it was Fortnite and they're like, oh, hey, we can. sole motivation either. Right. Yeah. But I think we're all on the same page that, while they had a, they tried to act like they had a voice for people such as us in terms of smaller companies. In reality, to what Khan said, we don't bring them nearly as much. Right. right. Oh, right. So they, they can afford they can afford to give that you know point one percent of companies our size that get to that hundred million in revenue. They can afford to give us that and not take it from the pockets because let's be honest, it's hard as fuck to reach that. Right. To reach that, let alone um, continue to release games that stay above that. So, yeah, we're not really bringing too much to their plate, but that was a piece of the pie when they were giving it out. Right. Was, oh, well, you know, we're helping indie companies. Look at us. To your point, Eric, the people's champion. Well, the people's champion doesn't even help people in their own platform. To a certain extent. Right. So there's you, you can argue both sides, right? Because there are people that still love Epic for that in the revenue share. Revenue share, I think, was a great idea for them to actually stand up, even though it wasn't for what they said it was. It was probably more for themselves than it was for us. Um, but to to have that voice, yeah, good for them. But to our to our point, it's like, well, we're still switching to Unity because we're just looking to develop games. If if and when we were to get to a million in revenue, great. Maybe at that point in time, depending on team size and where we're at, there might be a consideration as to which engine to use. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll have to see. But for right now, like that's not a good enough reason for us to stay with Epic 
and unreal for all the headaches compared to what we can already do in unity from being in there a few weeks versus a few years in unreal. Yeah. I mean, if you're making, I mean, if you're making big money, unity is cheaper anyways. So it doesn't matter. That's right. It's just, it depends on the tool set that you want. If you're doing big cinematic, you know, and a lot of those studios use engines of their own too. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can get, we can go down a rabbit hole for a while. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this this episode turned into an Unreal versus Unity episode. We're going to actually have to do a Stormward Sales. <laughs> a whole Stormward Sales piece. Uh, but I do think that this was a good conversation. Do you guys have any closing remarks in terms of, you know, what people should expect um, just briefly from Unreal or Unity and, you know, which way they should lean? Go ahead, Colin. Um, I think, like... Before we get into the Unity Unreal stuff, um, I just have to say, just, you know, stick with it. Um, Times are going to get hard. And, you know, there's going to be days where you just, you're, you want to quit or you don't want to do it. And my advice there is take some time off, you know, go outside, go for a hike, spend some time with the family, whatever, Um, play some games. Um, and come, come back to it because all I have to say is that, you know, when that product is out there, to me, it's extremely rewarding, um, to finally have, you know, something that you made with a great group, a great team, um, be out there in the wild for other people to experience. It's just a feeling that, um, I'm happy to say that, you know, I can experience and not, not many others can. Um, and when it comes to Unity versus Unreal, to answer that part of the question, Cam, um, I think it just depends on, at the end of the day, what it is you're looking for, uh, what it is that you want to build, the time, your time commitment, um, the knowledge base you have. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, you have the time. And I don't know, like for me, for what we want to do moving forward as a team, as a company, um, Unity kind of marks all those check boxes for us now. Um, you know, I was very grateful to start with Unreal Engine, learned a lot. Um, you know, we would still be using it for updates for Stormward sales and stuff like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's nice to say that, hey, we're going to step away for a little bit, reevaluate some things and, and try something different. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so that's, that's what I'd have to say to end, that, end this off. A beautiful piece. It's a beautiful piece. Yeah, Eric, I don't, I don't even think like I follow, follow. I don't even think I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I am uh, like Con. I'm very, very happy that we actually put our little labor of love out there. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of days where it was very <laughs> tough for multiple people. Um, but we have a very, very good team, and everybody's friends. You know, that, I think that helped uh, a large. Yep. So. I yeah, think we're a without that, group. yeah, without that Except support, that, yeah, I know, I'm sort of on the <laughs> on the outskirts. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, I think that that was a a huge factor in us actually sticking through with this. Like, I think, like, if I were to have gotten into like solo game development, that wouldn't have gone anywhere. Like, I or wouldn't even give up game development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, t- honestly. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm happy with 
what we were able to actually accomplish it it's really cool to like we have saved some of the screenshots from like super early on so it's really really fun to see how bad it looked <laughs> not that it's any like uh game changer for how the game looks or you know anything like that but we stuck with it and it's awesome like feels good yeah yeah for if sure you can surround yourself with a team i definitely try to because this is one of the industries like one of the only few industries that i can think of off the top of my head in which you can wear many hats but you're still going to need somebody else even if you know how to code and make music you you might be terrible at art or vice versa or the legal side of things or accounting or finance like we can get into the whole business side right so this industry because it takes a lot of talent in multiple areas it is very hard to do everything by yourself but that's why like there's a lot of freelancers out there because there's a lot of people that are more than happy to help you too if you mm -hmm. just take the time to connect with them so speaking of, you can connect with us on social media at nebulous underscore ENT. We'd love to hear what engine you're in and why, you know, and, and what your team size is. Because this whole episode has, has been on Unreal versus Unity, uh, what started out as Stormwood Sales Love, but we've, we've made our way into the gaming engines. If you'd like to stay up to date with more of the development side of things, Eric has been doing uh, game development journals in our Patreon that starts at $1 a month. So you can find that uh, link in the description of this episode as well. And if you want to stay up to date with what the company is doing as a whole, you can subscribe to the newsletter at nebulosentertainment.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen and remember that there's a story in all of us, but it's up to you to choose how you write yours. Have a good night.